Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about our live service games dying. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or watching on my other upload channel, you can always catch me live at SNTRlive.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube channel where we do the live streams. We have an upload channel. We have a gaming channel. There's a lot of different places to catch all the content, but the live show happens, uh, the live podcast show, this show, happens at SNTRlive.com. Now, why am I talking about this? Obviously... I don't think that every game that attempts to be live service is dying or going away, but I do think there have been some things that have happened in close proximity of timing that is really starting to show there may be a change in format going forward with games like this. There is also a broad spectrum here. So there's a lot of games that land within what you would consider to be a live service game, and I'm going to try my best to incorporate all of those in this and not just sort of gloss over and and drill down on like one particular type of game obviously in the picture here we have Anthem Division and Destiny but there's also other games as well that are attempting to do something either close to live service or not live service at all now live service games as a concept is basically games as a service or gas, which doesn't sound particularly glowing uh, or, or appealing, but that's basically a different name. To a certain extent, that's essentially what a live service game is. It's a game as a service. You're not just like buying a cartridge and playing Mario, and then that's the end of it. They're going to service the game, update the game, add to the game, etc. Now, the main idea is that the game you purchase is not the complete package, or it's not all that you're going to be experiencing. So if you grew up during the classic video game, game eras that was it that was the complete game they weren't going to update or fix a bug in world three or level two that's it that's all you get now traditionally games fell into three camps within this right one launch where they maintain it and update it but there's also subscription fee there's also launch with dlc later so one launch that kind of just gets updated would be something like you know like a Fortnite or an apex they just have the one launch and then they continually kind of update the space the ethos the world the map the whatever then there's subscription fees then there's launches with like dlc later that would be more uh, akin to something like uh, division or destiny or even what anthem was attempting to do In recent years, live service as a concept has caught on because of the potential monetization and the ongoing revenue streams. You can launch the game and continue to make money on the game afterward. And, you know, revenue streams and profit margins for video games are not in the greatest place because production cost has gone up the budgets are huge staffs get very large project gets you know goes a little bit longer scope creep happens or you know if you look at the kind of the history of anthem you spend a couple of years in pre-production and don't get anything done and that's a lot of wasted money and resources how we recoup all that well some people have thought oh we'll do live service now recent trends in the industry however may make it tough for this format to work and outriders might be the first turn of the rudder it's going to be more difficult i think going forward and there's a variety of reasons that i think this format of game is going to struggle and first i want to address the challenge The main challenge facing live service games is that development must be spread out and potentially thinned out. There were director's cuts from Bungie that indicated they were constantly placing, as they called it, simultaneous bets just to keep the seasonal model working. So essentially what that would look like is you have team A, B, and C all working on separate seasons, and they're not really talking to each other because they're working on their project. Season A gets a certain response and a result from the community. Season B may not be able to incorporate that feedback. It's called parallel development. What this also does is it pretty much assures some level of value and substance is going to be taken from the main game. Okay, A common result of this challenge is that the launch version of the game is criticized as being thin and not worth the full price. You can look at Division 1, Destiny 1, Anthem for perfect examples of this. Now, this has a compounding effect since the launch version of the game was devalued by the very content development that you hope the core audience buys, and they've been motivated to not do that by the weekend launch. Do you see the the cyclical and destructive relationship there? They devalue the main product. That makes you have 
a poor experience. And the reason they devalue the product is they've got something three months down the line they want to sell you. You're now less likely to buy that thing three months down the line because they shortchanged the main game and you feel like a dissatisfied customer. In essence, live service games often set themselves up for failure because the minimum viable product is seen as just that. It's just minimum. And the result is an irritated fan base that quickly disbands and turns on the game, resulting in future sales projections being inevitably damaged and thus the down downward spiral begins. Less people playing, less people buying, less investment into quality and value, and the game just falls all the way down the spiral staircase. Case in point, the cancelization of Anthem. Now, that's the challenge. What's the, What about the saturation? Saturation is another huge factor here. So the challenge developmentally is that you shortchange the main game and you de-incentivize people from buying future products from you, thus completely short-circuiting what a live service game is essentially supposed to do, okay? Another significant problem with live service games in the current market is the saturation. Even games like Fortnite offer an ongoing service with updates, map changes, meta patches, and a story often tied to massive live events. This makes it hard for any other game in that genre to get a foot in the door. In the years that followed Fortnite's launch and Destiny's launch, countless games have tried to pull off similar formats and they have failed miserably. And the few that were successful, they struggled right out of the gate. All you have to do is look at Division 1, Division 2, Anthem, Radical Heights, Apex Legends, just to name some of the most memorable games that really struggled in their early weeks and early months of launch. People were like... They're automatically going to compare it to other games. So saturation does two things. It makes it hard to capture a new audience because lots of people are already playing the other games, but you can also suffer death by comparison. Realm Royale looked a lot like Fortnite and death by comparison happened. People expected something similar to Fortnite. It was completely and utterly different and the innovation and and the uniqueness was lost. Nobody really focused on it because it was compared too much to Fortnite. It isn't a coincidence that every time a Battle Royale launches, it gets compared to Fortnite or PUBG or H1Z1. And it isn't a coincidence that every time a loot-based game launches, especially if it's a shooter of any kind, it gets compared to Destiny. The saturation breeds comparison, which just stifles innovation and risk-taking. So games end up feeling very samey, and they don't go anywhere. Props to Apex Legends. They actually did, I think, a very, very impressive job on iterating and evolving a BR, but the more that happens the more narrow the bottleneck gets of who can get through the door now who can launch a game so we've got the challenge developmentally we've got the saturation and lastly we have the unknown this is a huge huge problem with trying to do a live service game you're essentially creating content for a player base that you don't have yet, okay? You don't have a player base yet. Anthem did this, right? They didn't have a player base, they didn't have a loyal fan base, and they were creating content and structure for them, and they didn't even exist yet. You don't know how they're going to play the game. You don't know what they're going to think of your game. You don't know what they're going to want from your game. If you look at Destiny 1 as an example, they had content created in Dark Below and in House of Wolves, and it was not structured for the community that was born out of the launch. Therefore, it ended up feeling like a complete and utter misfire. No one understands that content was in development long before a single person shot a bad guy in Destiny. Okay? This is certainly last but not least. The unknown factor is a huge element in this situation. Launching a game with planned content within three months of release almost guarantees that extra content will be, to some degree, off the mark because the game doesn't even have a player base yet. This is where Outriders comes in. It honestly feels as if they analyzed the landscape on the heels of Anthem being lowered into the ground, they took a different path for their game. This ensures that risk is lower for ROI, their return on investment, their return of investment, the risk is lower because they're delivering one package with not all this extra development for extra content beyond it. And this also says any and all future content can be more finely tuned to what the player base wants, but also based on what the player base does. Player affinity, player habits, and player patterns can be measured and then influence all future content, which is why they're not doing anything in the immediate future of the game's launch. Division 1 and 2, Destiny 1 and 2, even Borderlands 3 
all struggled to offer meaningful content in the wake of their rocky launches. Copying that format is certainly unappealing, especially given how volatile the game market can be. While the dirt on Anthem's grave is still loose and Outriders is about to launch, we could be at a turning point for live service loot-based games especially. The landscape is shifting and turning and Outriders could be creating a new, maybe more idyllic format for both gamers and developers alike. We're going to transition to Q&A. If you're a paying member, you can be a part of that. Stay put in the live audience if you're enjoying the show. If you're listening elsewhere, join us at sntrlive.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about our live service games dying. If you're listening to this on any of the other platforms where these hit, you can always catch me live on YouTube. Uh, sntrlive.com sntrlive.com will bring you to the YouTube channel where we do these and you can submit questions if you're a paying member or take part in our daily polls we have one up here right now with the results coming in that most people are saying no, they would not pay a subscription fee for a game like Division or Destiny, even though saying yes we're saying the games would have to be dramatically different in order for them to consider doing that. So first question coming in from Gritter Do you agree what hurts new live service games is a lack of depth in respect to mythology and world building? I think Endgame provides more of a dopamine hit when it is a cerebral enough on the surface it looks like another hamster wheel. This is sort of related to the point that I made about when I said the challenge. So I talked about the challenge, the saturation, and the unknown. Those are my three headings. And the challenge developmentally was that you're developing content for the future, three months down the road, six months down the road. That inevitably is pulling bandwidth and resources from the main game. It's it's, it's unavoidable. If you have 800 employees and you're slicing off entire teams of people to work on seasons or content, that means they're not working on the main game. Okay, They're not working on the main game. They're working on their season or whatever. So you're automatically gutting the core the core product. And I said that this is compounding because you want people to buy the main game and like it enough to buy the future content. But the future content has devalued the main game that they've bought. So they are de-incentivized from buying the new content that's down the road and the new content's the main reason that they're de-incentivized because the new content devalued the main product. The minimum viable product becomes more minimum if they're continuing to slice off bandwidth and resources for future content. So, what you're saying, it it lacks this depth of this, the mythology, the world building. That's one factor, sure. There's also the factor of just feeling like the game is thin, the game is bland, there's nothing here, what is going on? Y- you know? What, 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 what is this? What, why, am I even, why am I even playing? Like, I, don't, I don't understand the game. Why? Well, because they've, they've gutted things and, and kicked them down the road. And because of that, right, because of that, I think that that's, that's led to the conclusion that, that Outriders came to. We're not going to do that. We're going to make a complete product. We're going to make a complete package. And when we do that, we're going to be in a better position to build future content because we, we put everything we had into this, right? Imagine if Anthem would have done that. Now, Anthem had a host of problems. Their pre-production, the planning, the lack of vision, the lack of leadership. Okay, l- let's ignore all that. If they would have focused on just making an amazing game with an amazing campaign and experience out of the box, here is a complete package, and they would have said, we're not going to add anything for a year, it almost assuredly would have been better. It, almost assuredly, it would it would have been better. So I don't I don't know. In in my in my mind, they they mismanaged pre-production of Anthem, but the same thing plagued Division One, the same thing played Destiny One, Division Two, Destiny Two, the same thing plagued both. They launched weak, thin, and tenuous uh, with the promise of like, well, there's more coming. And it's like, well, I'm way less interested in what's coming now because you gave me a bad a bad launch. 
If managed well, post-launch content would start development after the main content is completed. This could be started while the fully completed game is going through bug testing, marketing, and regulatory approvals. Again, that doesn't get at the heart of another challenge. I called it the challenge, the saturation, and the unknown. You're still not solving for the unknown. You are making content for a player base that doesn't exist yet. You are making content for a player base that doesn't exist yet. So you might get it wrong. You might create content that people find unappealing or isn't built for the substance, the depth, and the player patterns of the player pool. A great example would be Dark Below and House of Wolves. We don't know when they started development on them, but again, they didn't know the way the player base was going to play. They didn't have that information. They didn't have those statistics. They didn't have the data. So you're still shooting in the dark. You're still shooting in the dark. You're hoping you get it right. Like, if you look at the way that people have played uh, Division, Anthem, Destiny, okay, as well as the way people are going to play Outriders, just look at what happened in a demo of Outriders in the first week. They had to make changes. They had to shut certain things down. They had to stop certain routes. Why? Because. Because that's what people are going to do. They're going to go into your game and you're going to be like, whew, we never thought that people were going to load up a checkpoint and walk backwards to open chests. We, we didn't know that was going to happen. That's crazy. We're shutting it down. You guys are funny, man. You guys are funny. Well, what are y'all doing? You're crazy, bro. You're crazy, right? So they, they shut that down. That's where Outriders is, is, is getting some of the structure right here. Right on the front end, they have a demo where they can basically preemptively shut down unhealthy uh, loot routes, and then on the back end, they can say, "We're not making anything. We're going to wait and see what everybody does. We want to give you a good product. If it's commercially successful, if it's engagement successful, then we're going to measure everybody's, you know, uh, how they play and what they want and what they like." And they're so responsive to consumer feedback people gave them grief about legendaries not dropping from chests and they said you know what this is good feedback and they changed it so where legendaries can drop from chests if it's the chest after a boss so not only are they already doing a good job of quickly analyzing bad patterns in the player behavior and trying to curb it now keep in mind the good thing that Outriders did, they didn't just bring down the portcullis. Wham! You can't do that anymore. They said, well, we're going to have legendaries dropping if you rerun side missions, and we're going to continue to let legendaries drop from the captain farm. So they're allowing you to take what they would consider to be other routes that are, you know, more healthy, more organic, more in line with how people play, or how people are going to be playing. And then they already get feedback on that and they make an adjustment again so like every week they're like okay cool okay cool yep 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 let's fine tune it let's fine tune it let's fine tune it do you want to know what's cool about what they're doing it's not a pendulum swing they're they're turning knobs and they're fine tuning it it's like if you ever played one of those games where they want you to turn the left knob and the right knob to synchronize the radio signal and you get closer the closer you get like like that your controller vibrates or whatever that's what they're doing They weren't like, nope, legendaries aren't dropping anymore. No, they didn't do that. They made it not drop in a particular instance, and they increased it to drop somewhere else. They're fine-tuning. They're fine-tuning the loot experience. And then they get feedback on that. They're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Hey, let's fine-tune it a little bit more. Legendaries aren't going to be dropping from world chests, but they'll drop from a chest after a boss. Let's, Let's tune this up here. That makes me feel confident i'm like oh these these guys are they are listening and attempting to implement the feedback into the game in a way that's not just a pendulum swing and an overreaction it's good to see after years of a company doing pendulum swings it's like man i'm getting seasick here this is good to see from this game and again they can't do this if they're spread thin and they got all these projects and all these teams working on future content. No. The goal right now is a good launch product. A complete package. That's their goal. So they're taking great pains and care to ensure that that happens. 
ADJC. With people being home more, gamers are devouring content faster than developers can push it out. Do you think single-player games will be dominant uh, more than live service games in the current world people live in? Well, I, I don't know. For a handful of reasons, you have to understand something. What you're putting your finger on as like a... A gaming, we would call this like a gaming cultural change or shift, like a trend, right? You're not going to see the impact of that for a couple of years, though, because most games take forever to build and launch, even if it's a three or four game build cycle. If game companies right now are saying, scrap that, no, too many people are staying home, too many people are, are, are working from home, you know game games are going to get devoured we better make adjustments well you won't see the results of that for a couple of years i wouldn't anticipate like for the rest of 2021 and 22 to be like well it's all single player games because everybody's staying home and you know live service games can't survive i I don't think so i do think outriders is the beginning of what could be a newer trend though where they launch it as a complete package and then if new content is going to be developed for the game it's later on down the line it's not something they're going to immediately trot out a calendar for to be quite honest to be quite honest if if you're going to do that these days you're going to say hey here's our game and here's our calendar for the year right here's our calendar for the year they're probably going to be met with a lot of raised eyebrows like oh really hmm that's interesting. Is the game going to suck? Is the game going to be thin? Is the game going to be weak? You got all this other content that you're making. Is it cut content? That was already that was already a dialogue when companies would be like, "That happened with Spider Man." That happened with Spider Man. Spider Man announced and then it announced with planned DLC, and everyone freaking lost their minds. What is that? Right? Is that is that cut content? Is that what? Come on. Is that cut content? What did? Why did you do that? Is it even? Is it? Did you take that out? Like I, I can't believe that's just a bad look for a launch title. Well, I think that narrative is going to get even stronger. It's going to get even stronger and stronger and stronger in the coming years because people more and more are going to be like, this is just going to be another anthem. This is just going to be another Destiny One, Destiny Two, Division One, Division Two. It's just going to be another half-baked product shoved out and not ready because you're going to add things later you're going to fix it later so i would even i would i would not be surprised if even the marketing shifts and changes nah dude you can't go out there and show a trailer and then show the next and then show a calendar year of planned deliverables people are going to completely misinterpret that what was once what was once a method to get people excited and get people to feel confident and like there's there's content coming it's not seen that way anymore it's seen the exact opposite it's seen the exact opposite it seems like well wait a minute that means that what I buy on the front end is going to be weak it's going to be trash it's going to be bad it, it's, it's going to have the inverse effect when they market things Rono is not going to last forever things will be back to normal in like two or three years Right, right, right. I mean, we 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 hope, we hope, obviously, <laughs> we hope. So yeah. Uh, Rexus with the next question. I'm just as sad and as angry as you that Anthem has basically been killed. Thanks, Mama. I wonder, ha- I wonder now, was e- was EA allowed to do that, promising that there will be more? Could this be the end? Uh, could this end in a lawsuit for false advertising? Is this something other live service games could end up with in the future? You know, I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think you can... I don't think anybody has a case. if Because if you bought the game when it launched in 2019, they fixed, debugged, and patched that product so that it ran. You you could play all four javelins. You could uh, you could you could play the campaign. You could do all those things, um, right? I, I I don't think I don't think that 
anybody could say, oh, well, they, they said they were going to add more, work more. I read some blog posts and got really excited. Therefore, I'm suing. Suing for what? You didn't spend any money on that. Now, if they would have started a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter for Anthem Next or for or for Anthem 2.0, if they'd have done that, well, yeah, sure. Sure. Then people could say, well, we want our money back. And you would get your money back in that instance if it was a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe. You would get all your money back. Nobody spent money to back the promise of Anthem Next or Anthem 2.0. Nobody, nobody did anything as a consumer that would justify a lawsuit like you're not owed anything there was no verbal or or written contract there was no transaction there was no there was nothing there was a couple of blog posts and some screenshots that got us all excited that like wow they're making some strides here and it's pretty gutting to look at those screenshots and think all that work for nothing like literally but there's no lawsuit potential i don't think Timothy with a question says games like Halo, Diablo and Gears of War have had success with just regular releases every couple years. Could Destiny uh, benefit from this kind of model if they had updates and and such to liven the game up every once in a while? I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I don't want to get bogged down in Destiny commentary. I don't, I don't really feel like covering the game. You know, I, I don't think you're going to see them. I'll just say this. I don't think you're going to see them dramatically shift from what they're doing. An annual expansion with $10 seasons is probably going to be the going format for the next, you know, seven or eight years. Gary, what do you think is the difference between a live service game and a sub-based MMO? It seems Battle Pass style games are being sustained by cosmetic microtransactions, but sub-games are on the hook for meaty content drops outside of expansions. Yeah, I mean, to me, the difference between a live service game and a sub-based game isn't really a difference. It's a difference in category. The umbrella of a live service game, I think, encompasses Fortnite, Apex, World of Warcraft, ESO, Destiny, Division. They're games that are ongoing and they continue to offer new things for you how you engage with them just depends on the category that the game falls into one game you can buy the season pass but you don't have to it's totally free it's totally optional it's mainly driven by cosmetics another game does quasi dlcs the seasons in destiny and then you have a subscription model like in a world of warcraft where you're paying for access and they continue to add things so you, it they all are under the umbrella of a live service game that's ongoing and adding and updating and expanding um, but they fall into different categories of this is subscription model this is free to play microtransaction subsidized this is you know this is uh you know this is the uh, this is the other this is I don't even know what you would call um the other whatever you would call what destiny is destiny's like a hybrid because they, you know, they, they do the expansions, but then they also do seasons, and it all kind of is like it's a mixture of DLC and sub subscription model. It's like a hybrid. You don't have to pay, right? You don't, you don't, you don't have to pay to play the game. You don't need to pay for access, but you're also you kind of are. But it's like almost like DLC. It, you know what I'm saying? It's like a hybrid. It's like they took the DLC model of like buy this content every three months, six months, or every year. And they kind of combine it with what a season, what what a, what a subscription fee would look like, and they call it season passes or seasons. Uh, Anare Senpai, do you think there's a way to give adequate support to developers to make live service games without a sub fee? I personally don't like how sub fees affect my play habits. Well, it just depends on what you're looking for, because again, this is a category thing. There are people that are happy to play Call of Duty Warzone, Apex Legends, and Fortnite, and every time there's a seasonal update, they get really, really excited, and they're totally jazzed to jump in and play. They're totally excited, and they throw money at the screen, and they buy cosmetics, and they do all this stuff. They're they're 100% happy. Then there are people like me that as long as the content loop is satisfying, as long as you can continually get more stuff, great. You're I'm going to keep on playing. If the content loop is satisfying, the loot's plentiful, if, if, if my agency, if my intentionality, if my choices are respected, then, yeah, I'm going to continue to play a game like that. Now, I said this morning, there are games that can be too big. It's like, I don't have time right now to get into ESO. I don't have time to get into World of Warcraft. I don't. Final Fantasy. 
I don't have time to get into them. No matter how good the game is, no matter all how awesome the game is, I don't have time. Right? So sometimes there is going to be a density to a game. There's going to be a sense of futility that keeps me away. That's not a quality judgment. It's not a quality judgment. It's more of a it's more of an affinity judgment. It's like, well, my preferences in my life right now, I, I can't enjoy this game as it's built. It's not possible. You know? I, I can't do it. So, you know, if if sub fees are going to affect you in a way where you're like, well, what is this? I think this might be kind of like the sunk cost fallacy. It's like, well, I'm spending the money on the subscription fee. I better play a junk ton or I'm wasting my money. You know? My, my, I tease my wife about this. We, you know, we don't go out to eat that often, uh, especially now, but even before, because my daughter has an egg allergy and it's just really hard to find places where we feel comfortable. And uh, her family, like if they get a refill on their Coke or whatever, you know, before they leave, she's like sucking it down. You know, she wants to get as much as she can out of the Coke. She paid for it, right? And I'm just like, no, I ordered it. So I had something tasty and refreshing with my meal and I don't feel this sense of I gotta suck down this Coca-Cola right now right I don't I don't I don't feel that right I don't have this idea of like well I spent the money I better get everything I can out of it a lot of people feel that way when they they um when they when they subscribe to a game they're like I, I got to. I absolutely have to. I, I've got to play. I've got to play. I've got to play. I've got to get everything I can to, 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 to get everything I can out of this game. And somebody else might be like, I don't know, dude. I play a couple hours a night, man. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm cool. Some of this comes down to just personality. Some people are driven. You know what I mean? They're like, I got to. I have to. I've got to, I've got to pour myself into this. Because again, you've got the sunk cost. You've sunk cost into the game and you have to keep playing or you're not getting a good return on that sunk cost. So. Table JFK. On the flip side of the coin, how do you feel about premium subscription models which give bonuses in a live service game like Fallout, the first subscription in Fallout 76 or whatever ESO offers? We talked about this earlier with ESO. I'm not I'm not familiar enough with with Fallout 76, but I, I was given enough information this morning to commentate on ESO. Initially, when I looked at ESO's subscription model, it was like a year ago or more, right? Um, it was like a year or so, you know, ago or more. And when I first looked at it, I thought, "Oh, this is nice. Totally optional. It's about cosmetics. It's about crowns and mounts and all this stuff." And then people said today that there's like a, a crafting bag that basically feels necessary to enjoy the game right now. They're like, no, trust me. If you're going to play the game right now, you want to do the subscription fee. You need this bag, right? Something as simple as a bag that has limitless quantity changes your experience dramatically. People are like, as it's being said in chat right now, it was echoed a lot this morning. They're like, it's basically unplayable without the subscription fee. You need it, okay? Now, I describe that. ESO is Elder Scrolls Online. I describe that as a squeeze, and I don't like being squeezed, at least not in that way. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like being squeezed. It's like, hey, if you want to play this game, come have a good time. I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, we have the subscription fee over here. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. I don't need that. And they're like, okay, well, you can't use the shopping carts. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what? How am I going to get everything out of the store? Well, you just better figure out how to carry it all. What, what, no! What am I going to do? I can't do that. That'd be like going to the Costco and Costco being like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can walk around and shop. Yeah. No shopping carts, though, because they have a subscription fee, right? Well, I'd be infuriating. You'd be like, I can't shop here. I'm going to walk out of the store with like buckets of peanut butter in my arms and all these huge boxes. There's no way I wouldn't be able to effectively shop. It'd be absurd. This is This is why... I'm always hesitant to praise something like that. I'm like, ooh, they kind of snuck that in there, didn't they? Eh, they kind of snuck that in there. Yeah, you can play. No, you don't got to pay the subscription fee, but I mean, it's going to be hell if you don't. It's going to be awful. <laughs> there, It's a squeeze. They're squeezing you. You feel, you feel as if the game is uncomfortable or painful or unenjoyable if you don't dole out the subscription fee. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm saying I mentally 
recoil. I'm like, I don't want to pay this money. I feel like you're, I feel like I'm, it's a shakedown. You got a nice little shop here. It'd be unfortunate, you know, if anything happened. I mean, you give us a little money, we'll make, we'll take good care of you. That's what it feels like. It feels like a shakedown. It's like, yeah, you come in here and play our game. You know, it'd be unfortunate if you're having a good time and then, you know, arbitrary caps on materials and not having this bag. I mean, you're just not going to enjoy yourself. Uh, it'd be unfortunate. I feel like I'm getting it to feel like a shakedown. Now, a lot of people pushed back this morning and they're like, yeah, but the game's so good, Lono. It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, that's why they're getting away with it. That's why they're getting away with it. The game quality and value is good. So you're like, yeah, this is fine. I'll pay that. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't care. I'm having a good time. I'm a, like with Costco. I, I'll pay the subscription fee. It's fine. This is a great way to shop. It's efficient. It's it's economical for my family. A family of four. I can stock up on things. It's well worth a subscription fee. I don't feel like I'm getting shook down. Because... I'm willingly spending the money. It's like, I'm having a good time. And that's where I said it this morning. I worship at the altar. I worship at the altar of the content loop. If the content loop is good, the content loop is good, then you will get me to play. You will get me to subscribe. I will, I will have no problem, right? Hey, somebody ordered some coffee. Thank you so much to L Bamfo. Thank you so much. El Bamfo for ordering some coffee. Appreciate it so, so much. We've sold some bags this morning. Uh, They're brewing it as we speak. And keep in mind, when you buy that coffee, you are supporting me and the SNTR network directly. Uh, I am not. I am not getting like a kickback from some other company. We're doing it all on our own. If you're listening to this recording elsewhere, you can can use... Uh, you can use ragelessroast.com if you'd like to order some. Ragelessroast.com. We brought it back. We brought it back. It's our it's our flavor, and we've launched it. So thanks so much for that support. Uh, next question from Crow. How do you think the gaming industry is going as a whole? MMOs are great, but it's the amount of content that you get. Often you see games released half-finished, and if they go service fees, I'm not sure they will win with that. I, I, I gen, like I'm telling you, I genuinely think Outriders is kind of the beginning of that shift. Not to mention, think about this for a second. Outriders is giving people a little bit of a Diablo feel. I'm, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. I'm hearing like it's got like a Diablo feel. <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Uh, and you got to remember something. Diablo 2 Resurrection is around the corner. Diablo 2 Resurrections around the corner and so is Diablo 4 so you're going to have games potentially popular games out in circulation that are breaking the mold and not doing subscription fee not doing live service you know they're no no we're going to deliver a complete package now I don't know what Diablo's plans are I would imagine they're going to replicate the seasonal model from Diablo 3 I would imagine I don't think that's going to short-circuit the delivered product at launch, though. I think the way they structure that's very different. It's very different. A lot of it's randomly generated, isn't it? So it's like... That's about rule setting, you know? And and epoch setting. It's not about, like, building all this new stuff. All these new, uh, you know, campaigns and stuff. So I I wouldn't be surprised if Outriders, then Diablo 2 Resurrection, which we will be covering this week. We will be covering that this week. Uh, You know, the... um, the Diablo 4 I, I wonder if that's going to start to make people be like yeah why don't you just launch a really good game and if it's good we'll support it play it and then you can launch stuff later on down the road you know the Mike the Mike Doobie says do you think that the time dedication FOMO requirement of live stream games alienates casual players over time not playing enough to access content top to your loot or being competitive in PvP environments yeah oh man Somebody made this remark this morning on the poll that we that we have right up here next to me. They left a comment. And they said something like this that like an Anna Ray, Anna Ray recently, you know, she said she said something similar. She said that the subscription fee affects the way that they the way that they play, okay? Uh and it it can be unhealthy. It, it, again, it's the it's that sunk cost idea. 
and in this in this regard i do think it's it's tough it's tough so like when when from software makes a dark souls game they literally don't care about casuals they don't that's not their market they're like we don't freaking care right now that's respectable but it's also dangerous it's also dangerous there's a lot of people that you're basically saying don't buy our game (laughs) this ain't for you okay this isn't for you right and so it's it's understandable that when you're making a game like this considering that demographic is super important because there's a lot of them thank you albamfo for the membership that is uh six new members for the day we're inching closer and closer to 900 members enjoy the dope badge and emotes you're dope and deserve dope stuff don't forget you get increased access in the discord as well as access to q a segments like the one we're doing now if you want to submit questions that's something afforded to you as a paying member um thank you so you have to consider this demographic because there's so many of them this is why i think this is one of the reasons why i think destiny has been so commercially successful because they appeal to the casual as well as the hardcore and that's always been their big song and dance that's always been their pivot point of like you know is it a casual game is it a hardcore game you know no one really knows um so if you're going to build a game and you're going to ignore that player base you are throwing down a gauntlet on yourself and here's what I mean if you're going to ostracize by default right you're going if you're going to ostracize by default the the casual player base that means you're appealing to more dedicated more hardcore players which means you better bring the goods it better be deep it better be expansive and 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 quality it's got to be quality cuz you're appealing to people that are of a caliber they're cut from a, they're cut from some cloth here they're going to be like you you better bring it you better bring it because you, the casuals aren't buying this game they're not you didn't appeal to them you didn't market to them you market to me right and so it better be there it really it it it, it, it honestly better be awesome it would like be it, it would kind of like um it would be like saying hey i am gonna start a uh a workout class be a physical trainer and i'm looking at i'm looking at high intensity you know, really beefing up i want to train athletes i want to do this i want to do that your clientele is going to see right through how unqualified you are like i don't know um like mental health enthusiasts that stream and have zero qualifications to talk about it like you know what i'm saying anybody with an education sees right through the the, the, the facade it'd be the same thing if somebody came into your gym and they're like yeah man i'm here i'm here to pump i came from that gym downtown it's too far what do you got? And if you're unqualified, they're going to know right away. They're going to be like, you don't know what the frick you're talking about. I'm looking for a trained, you know, awesome, well-versed, a well-versed expert in this field. And if you appeal, if you appeal to people that are looking for a hardcore grind, they're looking for a hardcore game, you and you're basically telling casual players to not buy the game you better bring the goods because the hardcore audience is going to eviscerate your game it would be like throwing a cheeseburger into piranha infested waters and being like that should last a while no it's not going to last a while there's going to need to be a whole lot there or it's going to get absolutely shredded because of the clientele that you're appealing to. McDiesel. I love the talk, but I couldn't discern what your take was. Do you think games as a service should continue, or do you think it's an untenable format? My talk wasn't really about what I think should or should not happen. I think the format will change going forward. I think Anthem's demise, the struggle of Division 1 and 2, Destiny 1 and 2, okay, and the new and the newly announced and launched and the new approach that Outriders is taking, I think that marks a change. It's not about what I think should or shouldn't happen, 
I merely outlined the challenge, the saturation, and the unknown. These are all things that are going to make it really, really hard to launch a game as live service out of the gate. And I, that's why I think Outriders, you're going to see more games launch like Outriders. Should they? Should they? You know, should they not? It's not about that. I'm not creating... Um, that would be an imperative. An imperative is when you ought to do something... And I don't, I'm not creating an imperative of what they ought to do. Businesses have to follow uh, both the market, the consumers, the demand, but they also have to follow what's just good business sense on ROI, like how much money can they invest, how much money can they conceivably get back. I mean, this is essentially why Anthem got shut down. Because it wasn't about an ought. There was no imperative about Anthem. Like, they, they ought to finish this. No, there was no imperative. It was. It came down to just good business sense. It was like, this ain't gonna work this isn't gonna work we're gonna lose more money if we keep pushing it Thomas with a two-parter do you believe Bungie wants Destiny to become a subscription service? no I don't Uh, when they were with Activision they got a taste of that experience and from working close with Blizzard and WoW and now with the major expansion as a company uh, I see hints at a possibility of it becoming something akin to World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy after Lightfall with the rebranding of Destiny Universe. Um, yeah, I don't like to speak extensively on that game anymore. It's a part of this conversation, and I've pulled it in uh, commentary-wise, but I, I don't really care. I, I don't like talking about that game in, a, in, that, sp- <clears throat> in that specific of a way. Uh, Joseph Young how important is a growing visible story for a live service game Destiny has been criticized heavily for the best stories being in lore and not in the actual game it all comes down to the content loop it all comes down to the content loop so people are playing ESO in mass and, and paying the subscription fee and praising it for how good it is people are saying Division's in a really great place right now I, I don't think that has anything to do with the story I don't I don't think that has anything to do with the story. I think story complements, story bolsters, story can help, right? But I, I, I don't think, I don't think story is like super, super important. Like nobody's coming to me and saying, "Lono, you've got to dive back into division. You, you got to dive back into, you know, um, ESO. Oh man, the story's incredible. No, that's not what they talk about. They talk about the loot. They talk about the content loop. They talk about what they're doing, how substantive it is, how fun it is, how much how much time they're pouring into it. Right? No, I, I've not heard I know nobody's been like, oh my gosh, the stories. Now, that doesn't mean that the story can be utter garbage. Right? I always found ESO's storytelling to be good. It was piecemeal, it was well written, but it wasn't it wasn't these big long drawn out scenes. Right. ESO stories are really good with their landscapes and stories kind of needed. Right. But I don't think I don't think that's what's keeping people coming back. It's it's complimentary. It's kind of like it's good filler, but that's not really what people are telling me when they're like, Oh my gosh, you gotta come play. You gotta come play. The stories are so good. Right? They're mainly selling the content loop. That's what their memory is more tethered to. Again, that doesn't mean that the stories are literal garbage. But I don't think if if the story's mediocre, think of it this way. If the story is mediocre, but the content loop is good, people will overlook the story being mediocre. If the story is incredible, but the content loop is mediocre, people are going to walk away. They're going to be like, "There's, yeah, the story was phenomenal. It was awesome. It was so many epic moments. It was crazy. It was like watching a movie. But the content loop sucks. It's not rewarding. It's broken. It, they're not respecting player agency. I have no control over what I chase. There's no targeted farming. There's no player intentionality. So story doesn't need to be 10 out of 10. It certainly helps if it is. If content loop is good, then story can be so-so, mediocre, it can get by. It, it, it can. A great example would be things that we recently experienced in Destiny. I, again, I don't, I don't like sticking on this subject, but like, there was amazing story, but the content loop was non-existent. And what happened? Player base numbers went way down. People were really unhappy. The cool story didn't matter. It didn't matter that cool stuff was happening. Nobody cared. They want to play. 
they, 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 you know what I mean? They, they wanted to play. They wanted a good content loop. I think the two go hand in hand. If you're going to pick one of them to be weaker, story can be weaker and the game will be just fine. If content loop is weaker, the game's going to limp and eventually fall down because people will be like, there's nothing here. So, Ashen Hollow with the last question. Are we going back to the good old days in a way? Complete game DLCs added on if doing well. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would definitely I, I don't know if I'd say good old days. I don't know if I would I don't know if I would say good old days, right? Um uh but it's definitely going to harken back to what made games like back games like that back then had to be stellar. Okay? Because you were just going to like if the, if it sucked, if it was bad or whatever, you were just going to put it down, right? Um, you you were you were just gonna put it down. You were gonna buy more content. You were gonna do more stuff. You know what I mean? You just it, it, it's in in general in general. If you were if back then if you were gonna continue to support a game, continue to play a game, continue to buy content, you were one hundred percent gonna gonna need to have a complete product. No one would have bought into the idea of like, oh, it's so-so, it's kind of glitchy, it's kind of buggy, it's kind of thin, but hey, there's new stuff coming out in three months. No one would have thought that. Like, that's that's not a... I, I, don't, I don't think that... I don't think that it would have worked back then. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going back to the good old days, but it's definitely going to be... This is what I think happens when you're in this... when you're in this... this paradigm versus the other. In this world the launch version of the game is where they have to prove their muster. The proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? They, they have to. Or unwork. This is why I'm really interested in Outriders. As a concept, as, a, as, a, as, an, as an approach to making a game, I'm actually very interested. Because it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. You know? They got to prove their muster. They gotta have really good proof of concept. The game's gotta be solid. Or it'll be a one and done. It'll be a one-hit wonder. Maybe not even a one-hit wonder. It'll be a flash in the pan. It'll be it'll be here and gone. No one will care. You know what I mean? I'm hoping for better releases with just more spaced out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. And again, I think it puts I think it puts pressure. It puts pressure on the uh, the developers. Um, it puts pressure on the developers to to put a, a better product out first. It really, really does. So, hey, if you guys are in the audience and you're enjoying yourself today, feel free to show me some support by clicking the the uh, the like button and then subscribe and the bell button. That supports me in a huge, huge way. I am a, a safer work broadcast, and if you're enjoying yourself. Please do that. Click the, the the like button, get the like numbers up, and then click subscribe and the bell button. That helps me out. And if you want to take part in Q and A, we are trying. It, it, one of the best ways to support me directly is by clicking the join button or using the join command. You get a badge, emotes for five bucks a month. You get increased access in the Discord as well. So consider doing that. We're trying to get to nine hundred members to unlock another emote. Uh, we are not shutting down the stream, but if you're listening elsewhere, you can always catch us live at sntrlive.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.